0: If I were to ask you to identify what you believe to be one of the most common words in Scripture, I wonder what you would choose. If your choice was the word joy, you'd be right, because joy or rejoicing permeates the Bible from cover to cover. Last week, if you remember, uh, Scott reminded us there, there, there just don't seem to be many happy people in the Bible. And he's right. A few of you pointed out maybe David was happy once in a while. But basically, people aren't happy. But you know what? Hundreds of them are filled with joy. And there's a huge difference between being happy based upon the circumstances, like a a cold-blooded reptile who kind of radiates the outside temperature, versus an inner joy that you have no matter what's going on outside, because it comes from within. Happiness is rooted outside, joy is rooted within. And we want to talk about that this morning, because Jesus made you a promise. He said, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. I feel our society completely misunderstands joy, because we've equated it with happiness. As we grow into the likeness of Jesus... We're called to radiate joy. And if we're missing joy, then something's wrong. So I want to ask you a question. Have you discovered our Lord's contagious, indescribable joy? Really? Are you aware that exhibiting a joyful spirit is a strategic Christian responsibility? You're responsible for what your face tells the world. Have you ever thought about that? I received um, some hysterical cards for my recent birthday and I brought them to the office and shared them with staff and we were just splitting our sides over them and we were making so much noise that other people in other offices began to check us out to see what was going on and it occurred to me while that was happening that joy is contagious. Christians ought to be, when we come together, even in a worship service, so filled with joy that someone out there checking us out is drawn to what we have and they don't. I was being seated at a restaurant and the hostess said to me, you know, it's so good to see a smile on your face. Most people come here so stressed and cold and sad and I give my customers a smile but most of them ignore me. And I thought, how strange in these so-called good times that this kind of grimness has taken control of many faces and hearts. In fact, if you're a face watcher, check it out. It's amazing how little joy you really see radiating from people's faces. So, again, another question. What is your face saying about the impact of knowing Jesus and what impact that's having upon your life? What did it say this morning when you came to church? I want us to turn to our text, and I have this hope that God will stoke new fires of joy in your soul and mine as a result of worshiping today, because our text says something rather amazing. It says, be joyful always. Who's joyful always? Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. Who gives thanks in all circumstances? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. First, discovering indescribable joy is related to giving thanks in all circumstances. That is strange if you think about it. To seek joy by giving thanks to God for whatever is going on in your life, even in stressful, horrible situations, would seem like lunacy to a logical thinker. And you know, that's so true about much of our Christian faith. Uh, So much of what we believe goes completely counter to what our culture would believe. Suppose, for example, we had a loved one on that airliner that was lost last week, as one person who met me last night told me they did. Would we thank God for that tragedy? Some friends last Thursday morning lost their 16-year-old son to leukemia after months and months in the hospital and struggle. And what made it even more critical was just three years ago they lost their nine-year-old son to the same disease. How do you thank God for that? Do you know what their reaction was? We're thankful for the impact of our son's faith on the staff and patients in that hospital during those long months of his struggle. And then they said, we're thankful that he won't have to live with a body that was never going to be able to support a really anywhere near normal life. Maybe death was a blessing, and I I was overwhelmed. How could you lose two sons And the first thing that comes out of your mouth is kind of a gratitude. Now, listen very carefully because this is important. It would be heresy to teach that thanking God for horrible happenings is a Christian act. What this text is saying is that we believers who know God as a father through our relationship with Jesus can thank him in advance for how he will use our pain and stress and loss and failure and illness for our good. And that's all the difference in the world between some heresy saying we ought to thank God for something that God weeps about and is more broken up over than we are versus what he's going to do with it. This unique certainty of a Christian to thank God for what he's going to do is our secret for experiencing indescribable joy can you do that do you trust god enough this morning to thank him in advance even though right now you don't have the foggiest notion how anything good is going to come out of whatever you're facing it's this kind of trust rooted in our absolute confidence that god is head over heels in love with us He could no more harm us than we could hurt our own children. That kind of confidence helps us to know that whatever happens today or will happen tomorrow cannot, will not distort God's ultimate good plans for our future here and in eternity. That's our legacy from Jesus. That's what he means by saying, I want to give you my joy. And those who don't know Jesus don't have that kind of confidence. Do you? Now, I need to remind you, God seldom explains in advance how he's going to bring good out of bad. You and I know that. Most of the time, it's in retrospect. We look back and we say, oh, that's how God did it. But you know, he does, this morning, ask us to trust him. Even in the darkest times, as Hal Helms writes, faith grows in the shadows, but it shrinks in the light. In the shadows, practice praise. Only Christians can do that. Uh, You know, I like, let me illustrate. You remember Paul and Silas... In the book of Acts, they'd been thrown into jail. They had been beaten, falsely accused. All they had done was preach the gospel. They were sitting in jail and it was midnight. Their wounds were bleeding from the beating. And what were they doing? They were singing. They were praising God. So much so, all the prisoners were kind of listening and wondering, what do those guys have that I don't? And their joy, their praise was so contagious, the jailer and his whole family came to Christ. I think that's a good story. You see... To sing praises of gratitude to God at the midnight hours of life's most difficult circumstances, that's a tremendous alternative to a a grim look that gets this hold on our faces that tells the world and impacts God's reputation by saying uh, things are awful and they're going to get worse and life's burdens are too heavy and basically then knowing Jesus isn't any help at all. I'm as much frustrated as somebody who doesn't know him. Look at my face. But, you know, uh, I need to ask at this point, because I am sympathetic with people in pain, and you're asking, how can I be joyful all the time with the burdens I carry, with the hurts and stresses that God has allowed to enter my life, and with all those unknowns that my tomorrow might hold? In other words, I'm, I'm kind of unique. God's uniquely burdened me. How can I be joyful I want to tell you, like every dimension of living the Christian life, you cannot. Remember, before the offering, I said, we can't really do anything in ourselves. I, I, I can't make you come to Christ. We can't make you grow in Christ. We can't make you minister. And you know, none of us in our own strength can be joyful and thankful in the midst of pain. But we can ask God to do a miracle to enable us to trust him. Not in our strength, but in his you see, trusting God enough to thank him in the midst of pain is a gift of grace. And, and this is where I get personal. If you've been coming to this church for years, you know we preach on this subject often. Why? Because we need to hear about it often. At least this preacher needs to hear about it. One of my greatest personal challenges in trusting God through the years, and you've born with a lot of my illustrations since the kids were this high, has to do with my children. And maybe you know what I mean. Through the years... Interestingly enough, the Lord has taken them through every crisis. He's been absolutely faithful in caring and guiding their lives. But last week, another issue arose. I have an adult son. He's fully competent. But I was filled with unnecessary stress. You know why? I attempted to do my usual micromanaging of his life still at his age. And it had to do with his future plans, And we were talking, and I was giving him my, quote, suggestions about certain decisions that he had made. He didn't ask for them, by the way. And then, rather than experiencing joy and being grateful for how far God's taken my son and all the wonderful things that have been happening, I sweat bullets about his future. There's one thing that hasn't opened yet regarding his future. God's been totally faithful for 26 years, and there's one thing that has me sweating bullets. And then I started preparing this sermon. And you know, God does it. You guys all ought to preach. It's a tremendous experience. But anyway, I said to myself, you know, Gerber, you're doing it again. Not only am I denying that I believe God's in control of my son's future, I'm assuming a responsibility for his future God didn't intend me to carry. And this habit's driving me nuts. And what's more, I'm communicating to my son, I don't think you're competent to make good suggestions or good uh, decisions. You need my suggestions. Well, now I'm back on track again. (laughs) I put my son into God's care by thanking God for what he's done and what he's going to do. And I'm free. You know what? From needing to control him, I'm free to love him because I'm thankful for what God has done. My joy is in my heart. And I mention this because maybe one or two of you are having a similar struggle in some area in your life where we lose our joy because we lose our gratitude and we forget what he's done in the past and we focus on the impossible future and life gets all fouled up and that's not the way it ought to be. And that leads us to a second truth. The second step in discovering indescribable joy is to pray continually. I can't tell you enough about prayer. And the older I get, the more convinced I am. It's the answer to everything. Joy, indescribable, consistent joy, is the result of prayer if we don't have it. Somewhere along the line, we're not praying correctly. Prayer, you see, provides the privilege of leveraging God's resources with our own. Prayer is putting our hand into God's hand when we confront what... Yes, they're overwhelming challenges for us, but not for God. And then, through prayer, we have the certainty God's going to make a way when there seems to be no way. That little verse I have on my desk. And once I turned my son's future over to God in prayer, I stopped micromanaging. I said, God, you take care of him. If you want to have him practice his profession in this area, you'll find him in office. I don't have to worry about it. Prayer freed me to enjoy the process of waiting for God to work his purpose out. And this is what I'm convinced the psalmist meant when he said, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And He'll cover you with His feathers and under His wings His care you're going to find refuge. And if you have that picture in your mind that God's up there protecting, sheltering us from whatever is happening, we can have peace if we turn it to him in prayer. Some time ago, I told you that my sister had contracted cancer. This was several years ago. And during her long months of chemotherapy, every day, I telephoned her and we prayed. And God was merciful and he spared her and she's passed the five-year mark and she's essentially cured until last month when Um, she had to have a biopsy, and it looked like her cancer had returned. Well, we waited for the results of the biopsy, but we made a covenant together. We said, what did we learn from God's faithfulness in those five years? We learned he can be trusted, and we learned that we can turn this issue over to him in prayer, and we don't have to spend agony wondering what's going to happen. So both of us prayed. And we came to this conclusion, whatever the answer, God is our refuge. God is in control. His plans for my sister are good. He died for her. He's head over heels in love with her. Well, happily, the biopsy revealed my sister's free from cancer. But you know, we found such a a certainty through prayer that it wouldn't have mattered what the answer is because the long-term plans God has for her and for you and for me are good. And nothing can interrupt them. Not illness, not disappointment, not death, not cancer. And that's the certainty that we have as Christians Well, the serendipity of praying about everything, worrying about nothing, is that we discover inner, indescribable joy. That's the gift Jesus wants to give us. And if that joy has been taken off our faces and replaced with a grimness, I'm suggesting we're not being thankful and we're not praying and we need to recapture it. Because Jesus doesn't want to have us live with grimness. He wants us to live with joy. If it were in my power to give you a gift this weekend, I would pray that God would enable each of us to trust his love so much that no matter what storm is raging, what fears are raising havoc in our hearts, what storms will rage tomorrow, that we would experience continual, uninterruptible, indescribable joy. Why? Because we trust this promise, and and this is the bedrock of our faith, and it's true. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? If Jesus died for us so we can live with him forever, how can we dare doubt him about all the little stuff in between till that day we join him? So would you like to discover indescribable joy? I leave you with two bullets. First, stop believing the myth that joy can be experienced only by the absence of pain and the fulfillment of your desires. That's a myth. Life's difficult, life isn't fair, Jesus knew it, but he said that has nothing to do with knowing his joy. Secondly, trust God enough to turn your need over to him in prayer. Believing and thanking him in advance of how he's going to take whatever you're praying about and weave it into a perfect pattern that not hell, not death, nothing can thwart. That God's plans for you are good and not for evil. You know, if you're like me, you need to be reminded of this truth, not only daily, sometimes hourly. And that's one reason we come to worship and one reason you hear so many sermons on the subject of trust, because it isn't something you just do once. Uh, Frederick Buechner makes this beautiful statement about joy in the Christian life, and I want to close with this. He writes, I believe that all of us have not only the right to be joyful, no matter what, but also a kind of sacred commission to be joyful in the sense of being able to bless even the sad times of our own lives, it's all good. There is nothing to worry about, and that is the gladdest and most final of all secrets which I suspect the whole human family, since the world began, has glimpsed always in its holiest dreams. I trust, because you came to worship today, that the Holy Spirit gave you a glimpse of what could be perhaps versus the grimness and sadness and fear and havoc that's gripping your heart. This week, celebrate with me the light that Jesus brings to us, even in our darkest times. And next week, if I asked you, what is your face saying to a watching world about the impact that Jesus is having upon your life? I trust our smiles radiating from our heart would tell it all. Let's bow in prayer. Lord Jesus, we're so glad you want us to be joyful. And we're so glad your joy is so much more than happiness that's dependent upon circumstances. Thank you for our in spite of joy. And I pray that those who need it most will find it. And as they leave here today, we'll find a new reason to smile. And I pray that in Christ's name. Amen.